it's Wednesday, August the 5th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, big blast in Beirut and Argentina's debt deal. First, the world in brief. An explosion in Beirut killed at least 78 people and injured thousands more. The blast rocked the Lebanese capital's port area, flattening buildings and sending up a mushroom cloud. State officials said the government had stored thousands of tonnes of ammonium nitrate, often used as industrial explosive, at a warehouse near the waterfront. The exact cause of the explosion is unclear. In an unexpected national address, Emerson Manongogwa, Zimbabwe's president, vowed to flush out opponents seeking to divide the country. More than 20 people have been arrested since an anti-government protest was squashed last week. Protesters complain of corruption and economic mismanagement. Annual inflation in Zimbabwe is at 700% and unemployment at a record high. Hurricane Isaias made landfall in North Carolina, spinning off tornadoes and leaving more than 3 million homes along America's eastern seaboard without power. The ninth named storm this year, it has caused the death of at least five people so far. Downgraded to a tropical storm three hours after landing, it is expected to keep heading north up the coast. After months of negotiations, Argentina reached an 11th hour deal with its private creditors to restructure $65 billion worth of debt. Reaching an agreement with bondholders was especially important, given Argentina's rapidly deteriorating economy, which is expected to contract by around 10% this year because of COVID-19. It will now seek talks with the IMF to restructure $44 billion in lending from 2018. Ford named Jim Farley as its new chief executive. The long-time marketing executive has the task of lifting profits and the share price as the carmaker contends with fallout from the coronavirus and challenges posed by new technologies. Mr Farley will replace Jim Hackett, who took over in 2017, and will retire from Ford in October. Virgin Atlantic filed for bankruptcy in America. The carrier, part owned by Richard Branson and Delta Airlines, flies only long-haul routes, which have been particularly hampered by the worldwide collapse in travel. The firm wants protection from its creditors as it implements a $1.5 billion rescue package. It has already cut 3,500 staff and closed its base at London Gatwick. And BP halved second quarter shareholder payouts because of industry-wide losses caused by the pandemic. The energy firm had not slashed its dividends since the Deepwater Horizon disaster a decade ago. It set out an accelerated timetable for its pivot towards green energy, setting targets of a 40% decline in hydrocarbon production and a tenfold increase in low-carbon investment by 2030. And now here's today's agenda. Put on the red light. Police in Minneapolis At a rally on June 7th, not quite two weeks after a police officer killed George Floyd, a veto-proof majority of Minneapolis's city council vowed to abolish the city's police department. The council has already agreed to strip $1.5 million from the police budget, something the mayor says he will approve. Now under discussion is an amendment to Minneapolis's charter to create a Department of Community Safety and Violence Prevention, which may include an armed police force. That would also give the council, rather than the mayor, oversight of the new department, in effect giving it 13 bosses rather than one. Minneapolis's Charter Commission, a sort of standing constitutional court, may vote this week on whether to put that proposal to voters in November. A majority of respondents to a poll taken by the American Civil Liberties Union favoured the measure, but plenty of Minneapolis residents, particularly African Americans, say they would prefer a better trained police force to none at all. Brazil's economy. 
Nowhere to go but up? Brazil's central bank is expected to cut its benchmark interest rate today to 2%, a record low amid a devastating recession and the world's second highest number of COVID-19 deaths. Paulo Guedes, the economy minister, has had to abandon his trademark austerity in favour of measures to help businesses and boost spending, including a monthly payment of 600 real, $115, to more than 60 million Brazilians. The central bank has sought to dispel gloomy predictions. Its president said recently that the economy has started a V-shaped recovery and that a previous GDP forecast of minus 6.4% for 2020 was too pessimistic. The economy ministry thinks the drop will be minus 4.7%. It is betting on Congress to pass an ambitious tax reform that would simplify accounting for businesses and attract more foreign investment. The reform has been years in the making and has spent years on the shelf, but during a pandemic, anything is possible. The lengthiest lockdown. Kashmir one year later. Today, many Indians will celebrate the first anniversary of the revocation of Jammu and Kashmir's semi-autonomous status. What was India's only Muslim-majority state is now a shrunken territory governed from Delhi. Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister, is venerating the date with a ceremony at a Hindu temple 1,000 kilometres away. There will be no celebrations, however, in Srinagar, the summer capital of the erstwhile state. The Kashmir Valley is under lockdown and has been almost continuously since August 5, 2019. The stated reason is to prevent protests which could spread COVID-19. Yet dissent was stifled even before the pandemic, as local politicians were locked up and ordinary Kashmiris cut off from the outside world. Between curfews and COVID-19, the past year has been devastating for Kashmir. New investment, less graft and better security were promised. Little change is evident. At least Kashmiri's greatest fear of being displaced by Hindu settlers has not come true either. Galactic Ambitions Samsung's new product line After dazzling investors with strong quarterly earnings last week, Samsung, a South Korean technology giant, will now try to impress consumers with its latest wares. Today it hosts its Galaxy Unpacked event. On show will be new phones and an updated smartwatch. But Samsung launches its new gadgets into the weakest economy since the creation of its flagship Galaxy line in 2009. So far, its phone division has weathered the recession brought on by COVID-19 fairly well. The firm has cut spending on marketing, keeping itself profitable amid reduced sales, and expects its figures to improve after refreshing its products. But Samsung's biggest problem is a more perennial one than the pandemic-induced revenue slump, fierce competition from rival consumer electronics giants. Despite the American government's ongoing war with Huawei, the Chinese firm overtook Samsung as the top shipper of smartphones in the second quarter, according to CounterPoint, a market research firm. Don't call it a comeback. Sri Lanka's elections. Such are the advantages enjoyed by the Sri Lanka Pudyajana Peramuna that it should win today's general election comfortably. The real question is whether the party, dominated by the Rajapaksa family, will win two-thirds of the 225 parliamentary seats, or whether the powerful political dynasty will need to coax defectors from other parties to form a supermajority. Either way, the stage will be set for what might be called Sri Lanka's second empire, as the Rajapaksas, who ruled in regal fashion from 2005 to 2015, resume unbridled control. Since Mahinda Rajapaksa narrowly failed to win a third presidential term five years ago, the family has doggedly clawed back power. Gotabaya, his brother, wrestled back the presidency last year, appointing Mahinda as prime minister to head a minority government. Should they get their supermajority, they will rewrite the constitution. 
opposition parties and human rights activists fear that changes will be designed to guarantee the Rajapaksa's hold on power. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Millicent Fawcett, who died on this day in 1929. Courage calls to courage everywhere, and its voice cannot be denied. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.